Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Nobody saw this pandemic coming on at the time of sentencing. At 8 o'clock p.m. Friday evening with no warning to defendants, they were deprived of a due process right. I was told by the judge that I was able to go to work. This virus is not the fault of these individuals. I am not allotted that opportunity going forward because the Huber facility has shut down. They will lose their jobs. They can't feed their kids. This defendant presents a tremendous risk to public safety. You're going to be getting inundated with these requests today, and I'd ask the court to look at a case-by-case basis. I think that makes sense here. We are. Dozens of inmates in one local jail are writing letters to the judges who sentenced them. They all have one basic question. Your Honor, can I please get out now? From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire, here with my colleague Brian Polson. Hi, Brian. Hey, good morning, Amanda. We are bringing you new episodes of Open Record each day, Monday through Friday, to make it easier to sort through all of this coronavirus news. So we're recording this one on Wednesday morning, April 1st. And if I told you that a longtime prosecutor, in fact, the former attorney general of Wisconsin, was letting criminals out of jail by the dozens, you might think it was an April Fool's prank, but it's not. Brad Schimmel was a longtime Waukesha County prosecutor and eventually the county's district attorney. He also served as Wisconsin attorney general during the Walker administration. Now he's a Waukesha County judge and he's facing... One of the most unusual court calendars I've ever seen. On Tuesday, every single case that came before him involved an inmate in the county's work release jail asking to be released from jail early because of COVID-19. So we know that COVID-19 prompted this, but this was a sudden surge. So why that sudden surge now in those requests for the judge to modify their sentences? Of course, there are all kinds of concerns in jails across not just Wisconsin, but all over the country about the spread of this novel coronavirus inside these facilities. So it's not new that inmates are concerned about this or that staff or the people in charge at the facilities are. But the real catalyst in Waukesha County came Friday night, March 27th, when Waukesha County Sheriff Eric Severson decided to put the Huber facility on full lockdown. That means inmates who had been granted work release privileges as part of their sentences could no longer come and go as the judges had ordered. So, Brian, do we know what prompted that lockdown on Friday night? Not specifically. Sheriff Severson has so far declined any requests for an interview. We got a tip that there was a case of COVID-19 detected in something called administrative segregation. But I asked a sheriff's department spokesperson about that, and he told me they are unaware of any positive cases among either inmates or staff. So it's not clear what drove the sheriff to make that decision on a Friday night to lock down the facility. Whatever it was, that decision sent immediate ripple effects throughout Waukesha County's criminal justice system. 
Taking a step back, what is this facility and how does it work? Because I know we throw the phrase Huber around, but not everyone knows what that means. So uh, typically when you go to jail, you stay in jail, right? Someone who's sentenced to 30 days in jail, they are there 24 hours a day. But Huber is the term in, in Wisconsin that's used to describe release privileges. So work release is the most common reason that inmates would be let out of jail each day so that they can maintain their jobs. And the idea behind that is you've got to serve a sentence to do the penance for the crime you committed. However, losing your job and having you get out of jail 30, 60, 90 days from now without a job, that's society's worse off if you're unemployed. You're more likely to get into trouble. So the idea is you can pay not only pay your debt to society by serving the sentence, but you can pay your bills. You can still keep up with fines. There might be restitution in your case. And work is only one of the reasons that people can get out of jail on so-called Huber release. There is release that is sometimes ordered for child care, someone who might be the sole caregiver on certain days or full-time. They've got to get out to to uh, assist with childcare. They might have to get out for certain medical appointments, schooling. There are a variety of reasons judges may order this, and it's ordered as part of the sentence. Sometimes it's part of uh, consideration during plea negotiations. An offender might see that there's a likelihood the judge is going to order work release, and they might be more willing to accept a plea rather than taking a case to trial. By and large... These are all, well, I shouldn't say by and large, these are all people in this facility who've been given those privileges as part of their sentence. So these are people who, as part of their sentence, are allowed to leave, and then the sheriff decides, now you're not allowed to leave. Can he just make that decision? That's a good question, and and that's, I think, one that's sort of been raised since Friday, is can the sheriff just shut this place down and take away what are essentially uh, these inmates' rights that were given by the judge? Can anyone other than the judge... Uh, change those orders. And I think that's why these cases have so quickly gotten to a judge so that a decision could be made. Uh, We initially received this tip that Waukesha County was, quote unquote, emptying out the Huber facility. And if there's concern that there might be uh, an actual case inside, you might understand they want to get people out before this spreads any further. But you can't just the question is, can the sheriff shut the place down or, or keep the inmates inside? I think it would be even harder for the sheriff to just say, here, you can all go. He can't just empty out the facility. So what has to happen is these inmates have to appeal to the judge that sentenced them to modify their sentences, which means this has to be handled on a case-by-case basis. But because they've now had these liberties that were part of their sentence taken away, uh, their requests to have these cases heard uh, are being responded to very quickly. And in this case, they all ended up on a calendar, some of them Monday, but I I found uh, in my research on Monday that a great many of these were being scheduled all for one day, Tuesday, March 31st, before Judge Schimmel. Um, And Judge Schimmel alone handled them simply because the way the courts are working right now, and we've talked about this, Amanda, courts are limiting what they're doing to keep people out of the courthouse. There's only one judge in Waukesha County every day who's hearing these cases when there are normally five circuits. So he's hearing all of the cases for those circuits. And yesterday it was all requests to modify sentences. To paint a picture here for what's going on, these aren't people who have uh, committed homicide, who are going in front of this judge and then being able to get out, right? So what kinds of crimes are we talking about? 
typically when you're in a Huber facility, the, 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 the most hardened and violent criminals aren't going to be the ones who are given that privilege in the first place. Um, but that's not to say there aren't some violent offenders who are in there. There are. There are some who've committed domestic violence, battery to police officers, um, some who have uh, been involved in drunk driving accidents that injured other people. I believe there was one case of a negligent homicide um, where a negligent vehicular homicide uh, where the offender was asking for this release. In that case, I believe it was denied. But in most of these cases we are dealing with Repeat drunk drivers, second, third, maybe fourth offenders. There were was one or two cases, I believe, yesterday that involved people with five or six offenses. Uh, typically, those would be people who were in the prison system, but oftentimes we hear they get uh, reduced sentences, and, and as part of their probation, they may be given a year in a Huber facility. Um, there were cases of theft, misdemeanor theft, some felony theft. Um, there were a few drug cases, not many. A lot of times when we talk about Nonviolent offenders in the criminal justice system, the assumption is they are uh, offenders who just possessed a small amount of drugs. None of these were cases I could find were, that involved a possession of a small amount of marijuana or something like that. They were drug dealers. They were people who had manufactured or delivered drugs, methamphetamines, cocaine, marijuana. Um, but nonetheless, not killers, not serial rapists. Um, there was, I believe, one case of uh, exposing genitals to a child. Um, so again, they're serious offenses, not necessarily high-level violent offenses. So what, how was Judge Schimmel responding? Because like you said, we're used to thinking of him as the guy who's trying to put people in jail. Well, and I think uh, this is probably a tough spot for any judge to be in where you're looking at uh, he, he, these aren't even cases he necessarily handed down the sentence. So he's got to now take sentences that were handed down carefully and thoughtfully by other judges and decide, do I let these people out early because of the concerns about this virus? There is no question. This is an unusual time. These are new circumstances. And that's one of the things the judge had to consider. Is this in fact a new circumstance? Because when any inmate outside of this virus asks for a modification of their sentence, one of the things they have to show is there has been some substantial new revelation or substantial new development that would call for a change or modification to that sentence. And in this case, the judge said each, you know, and he handled them case by case, but each time they came up, he pointed out that this is a new circumstance. No one predicted this was going to happen. And certainly the sentencing judges did not anticipate that work release privileges would be revoked because of concerns about the in and out movement of inmates. And I should be clear, that's why the sheriff locked the facility down was because when you have inmates coming and going every day, you heighten the concern that they're going to bring COVID-19 back into a facility with other inmates who are then stuck in that place. So by locking it down, the idea is at least you limit the movement, which is what we've all been asked to do voluntarily. But then when you lock it down at this point and everyone is in close proximity because there's no way to avoid that in jail, I would think that there's a risk then of it spreading within the jail and then coming back out into the community as staff members go home to their families, right? And staff members are another concern here, absolutely, because they're then exposed. And you're right, they're coming and going. So that's, I think, why the sheriff seems intent upon, and, and, and now the judges seem intent upon trying to get as many people out of that facility as they can. But again, they have to handle it 
case by case. So what I found yesterday, and I looked through, we couldn't stay for the whole afternoon, but this morning I went and reviewed the cases. And again, we're recording this on Wednesday morning, April 1st, but I reviewed the cases from yesterday. And out of more than two dozen cases that went before him, uh, Judge Schimmel released at least 20 individuals uh, from the Huber facility. However, he did not release them outright and say, your sentence is done. Go home. See you later. What he said was, you go home for now. When this is over, you're going to come back and serve the remainder of your sentence. And for the sake of picking a date, he picked June 1st. So most of these offenders have been released on the condition that they return to jail on June 1st, assuming the facilities open and safe at that time. We don't know how long this is going to go on, so those things could be modified once again. But at the moment, they've all been ordered, or many of them have been ordered to come back on June 1st, in a couple of cases, June 5th. And I don't know if the reason for that was simply to minimize the number of people showing back up to check in on a given day. But the first week of June, many of them are coming back. Most are out now without any sort of additional monitoring unless they have to report to a probation agent or, or something like that. Um, a few of the more serious alcohol offenders, the repeat drunk drivers, were placed on alcohol monitoring bracelets. But as Judge Schimmel pointed out during a few of these hearings, there aren't enough of those to go around right now. He'd like to put all of them on electronic monitoring. We'd know where they are. They could serve the sentence that way. But there aren't enough of those devices. Wisconsin Community Services is the uh, the vendor who essentially runs that program. They just don't have enough of these. The, the bracelets are spoken for. There were a few he was able to place on that kind of monitoring because they were more serious offenders who had a poor track record of compliance when they've been out. We're talking about Waukesha right now, but how are other jails, other facilities, prisons even handling this issue? Because... It's a question that's popping up everywhere. And I think it's a developing question. There's certainly a call by a number of groups uh, that are uh, interested in seeing, uh, interested in the health of inmates who are calling on uh, the Wisconsin Department of Corrections, for instance, to try to case by case look at who doesn't need to be in right now. If you look at the state prison system where there is no work release privilege, at the state prison system, it's 25% over capacity, which means our prisons are crowded. And what's the one thing we're being told? Keep your social distance. Well, it's extremely difficult to maintain social distance among inmates and among the staff members who have to uh, watch over them when you have a crowded facility. So they're not saying empty out the prisons and let all these people out, because certainly in state prison, you're dealing with a higher level of offender and in many cases, violent criminals. They are saying if there are people in the system who are close to the end of their sentence, if they have shown uh, good behavior in prison, if they are not a particular threat to be released right now, can you start releasing some of them so that we can empty out the the crowding or at least relieve the crowding and therefore make it a little bit easier to manage this during this crisis that those are discussions that are ongoing but i don't know that there's any been any particular action in that regard that's taken place in the state prison system well and i know the aclu has been saying all right by releasing these people you're saying they're you not a danger to society or you don't believe they are currently a danger to society we have crowded prisons, crowded jails, so that leads to the question, 
why were they still locked up in the first place? Well, and I think that's going to, again, this is going to come down to case-by-case evaluations. But of course, if you spend any time, as we have throughout our careers in sentencing hearings, um, protection of the public is only one reason people are sent to prison. Um, it is one of the factors. There is deterrence. There are there are a number of factors that go into the crafting of a sentence. And I can say this from covering the criminal justice system for many, many years in Wisconsin. There aren't many people who make it to the state prison system who either haven't committed a very serious offense or had a, a track record uh, of continued issues that led to them being sentenced to the state prison system. As I said, when you look at the Huber facility, many of the people who were there have some of these long track records and are currently serving a sentence where they may have been given a break. Um, and I think by the time a lot of people get to that state prison system, they've made uh, enough mistakes along the way that finally a judge said, you need to serve some time in a state facility. The question becomes in an emergency. So if you if you eliminate the emergency... My guess is you could evaluate these each case and say there's a there's good reason the judge may have made the decision they made in an emergency, though, if we're just talking about safety of people in these facilities as this virus spreads, can we now make the argument or the justification that some of them don't still need to be there, particularly those who've served a good portion of their sentence? That's the argument the ACLU would make is they've served a good portion of the sentence. They may be higher in age and therefore at greater risk uh, of, you know, vulnerability to COVID-19. They don't pose a serious threat on the outside. Could we do better by releasing them and having them report to uh, a, a corrections agent? Um, I think that's a question that's going to be evaluated as time goes on throughout this pandemic. I'm curious, Brian, about what the Waukesha County prosecutors are saying about this, because And a lot of times they're the ones who have argued for a certain sentence. They helped come up with the deals that were struck that involved, okay, you can get out at this time under these circumstances. And now that's getting flipped on its head. Well, it was interesting listening to the court hearings yesterday. And and, and I'll say this before I I, I respond to that. We were one of the only, we were certainly the only media outlet in the courtroom yesterday. There were only... There was the judge, there was the 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 clerk, there was the uh, uh, court reporter, and then the defendants were appearing by phone. There might have been a lawyer now and then, and there was me and, and our photographer, David McAllister. The courtroom was mostly empty, and, and so um, there aren't a lot of eyes watching this. So as I listened, th- this was a pretty remarkable time um, in terms of a judge who was deciding whether or not to let people out of jail. The prosecutor was... was phoning in and the first case of the morning literally phoning liter- in, not lit- figuratively not, not figuratively no, no literally phoning in to be a part of the hearing um and as and i and i don't know if this was an oversight or if she maybe just misunderstood where the judge was going but as judge shimmel discussed the options that this offender had after hearing from his attorney after hearing from the offender himself the judge was discussing discussing options and at one point Waukesha County DA Sue Opper somewhat exasperatedly chimed in, I want to be heard, judge. And he said, you will. Typically, a judge is going to hear from both parties before the judge starts to deliberate and make a determination. It sounded somewhat like Judge Schimmel was already kind of making his determination as where he was going to go with this by offering up some options. And I think the prosecutor was concerned, like, hey, at least hear me out here. 
Um, and and she did get a chance to speak. And, and uh, the prosecutor, Sue Opper, um, her main case was that work release is a privilege, not a right. The sentences are the sentences. You serve the number of days the judge ordered, and when there's a plea agreement, there's no guarantee you're going to get this privilege. So that privilege can be revoked at any time, and if it needs to be revoked for safety reasons because they can't have people going in and out, well, so be it. These people should have to serve the remainder of their sentences. That, And I don't mean to para- – I'm paraphrasing, and I don't mean to speak for the prosecutor. That's essentially what I heard her say um, yesterday, but, but Judge Schimmel's response to that was effectively – yeah, but this is a pretty unusual circumstance, and while it's a privilege, they don't lose that privilege through no fault of their own, or shouldn't lose that privilege through no fault well, of their own. Well, and when we're talking about a reason, if we're going to talk about safety being a reason, is it safer to lock everything down and have everyone in close quarters with each other if someone's already brought it back and it's going to spread? I, I don't know that that's the case. If there's no detection of... COVID-19 in the facility, theoretically, you would think it is safer to keep them in and minimize movement, right? That's what we're all being asked to do. Minimize our movement, minimize our contact. So not having everyone go out into the community, go and work at your job at the grocery store or the auto repair shop or the wherever it might be, keep you in-house and keep you from moving. If there's already some concern that it's in the facility, then keeping everyone confined in that closed space might be more dangerous. Um, And I think that's the real question here. Again, our original tip was that there was a detected case inside the facility. Maybe that, and they're telling us that's not the case. If the sheriff's department is right and that's not the case, then it's understandable why they would want to lock down the facility as much as possible and prevent uh, that spread. Maybe they got some contact from someone who said, you know, you're taking too much of a risk having these people move in and out and the sheriff made a decision. We don't really know because the sheriff hasn't made himself available to talk about that decision. We'd like I'd like to ask him, explain the decision. Why do you think this is the better way to go? We haven't been able to ask that. Well, especially since, you know, we our ability to detect this, as we've talked about on this podcast, isn't great. So someone could be asymptomatic and could be carrying it. It takes a while to show symptoms. So there are so many things we don't know about this, and that's what's made it tricky to deal with on a criminal justice level. Well, and we also know that when there is a suspicion that someone is showing all of the symptoms of COVID-19, they have the low-grade fever, they have the chest pain, they have some of the other things, uh, or or the throat, uh, you know, sore throat and all those sorts of things. When you have that then they get tested. We know there's a long delay in getting these results. We heard from one person, one of the people you interviewed, Amanda, or spoke to, I believe, very early on, reached out to me yesterday. He got his results after 12 days. He was negative. But for 12 days, he didn't know. And and he's still unsure if he really buys the results of that test and wants to be retested. That's another story. But the point is, with that kind of a delay, it may well be that there's someone in that facility who they suspect might have had COVID-19. They don't know because they're waiting on those results. And so in the meantime, may, they may well have been accurate in telling me, Brian, we are aware of no one who's tested positive. That doesn't mean they don't suspect someone has or will. And we don't know that because they're not talking. So it may well be that what prompted the shutdown on Friday was concerns that someone in the facility does or did have COVID-19 and they just don't yet have confirmation. But whether or not they have confirmation, if it was there there's a high risk of it spreading.
Well, we know you'll stay on it. Thanks, Brian. All right. Thank you. So, yeah, we're going to continue bringing you more frequent episodes of Open Record as we cover this COVID-19 pandemic. I think this might be, Amanda, like the 10th or 11th podcast we've done just on this pandemic. So we're doing this frequently because there's so much to discuss. But we want to know what you want to hear more about. If there's a topic you want us to discuss, an issue related to this COVID-19 pandemic that you think we should investigate, please send us an email at theinvestigators at fox6now.com. That's T-H-E, investigators at fox6now.com. And I want to point out, when you do that, let us know that you heard about us on the podcast. We want to know uh, that you're listening and, uh, and and want to want to hear more from you. Thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Producer Pete, our magician of an editor, Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and Sarah Smith. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Open Record when you have a chance. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire. And for Brian Polson, we will be back tomorrow. Tomorrow.